Welcome to Under the Bleachers. This is a podcast that explores all things sports, all things queer, and the fabulous intersection where queer and sports meet. This podcast is brought to you by Team DC, the nonprofit association of LGBTQ plus sports and recreation organizations in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm Laura. I'm the vice president of Team DC, and I've played and loved sports my whole life. I've played with Team DC member clubs, the DC Furies Women's Rugby Club, and Rogue Darts. And I'm Gabe. I'm also on the board of Team DC, and I'm a diehard sports fan. I've played with many of the Team DC member clubs, including the DC Gay Flag Football League, Kara Bowling, Stonewall Kickball, Rogue Darts, and the Washington Scandals Rugby Football Club. I'm also a member of the DC Different Drummers, and I do a little bit of drag on the side. We hope you enjoy this week's trip under the bleachers. Welcome, everyone. Gabe and Laura here. It's May 3rd, and you're listening to Under the Bleachers. On this podcast, we take turns, and this week it's Laura's turn to choose our topics. For a discussion of all things queer, she chose President Biden's first 100 days. For our conversation of all things sports, we're talking about the Syracuse men's lacrosse team. And for our topic at the intersection of sports and queer, we're talking about athlete allies recently released LGBTQ equality ratings. After that, we're going to share our interview with LGBTQ area favorite, the Duplex Diner. First, a quick update on Team DC. Team DC and its member clubs continue to partner with Nelly Sports Bar for the Heroes for Heroes campaign, providing free meals to DC's frontline workers. Last week, meals were delivered to the staff at Smile and the Vaccine Center at Arena Stage. These meals were sponsored by Team DC, DC Gay Basketball League, Rogue League Sports, DC Frontrunners, Gay Hockey DC, Capital Area Rain Bowlers, and Stonewall Kickball Teams, the Mounties and the Swallows. As COVID restrictions start to ease, member clubs are beginning to increase some activities. Be sure to follow Team DC and its member clubs on social media for updates. Find Team DC on Facebook at Team DC LGBT and on Twitter and Instagram at Team DC Sports. And the Pride Night Out series is back. Team DC will be celebrating Pride Night Out with the Washington Prodigy on June 5th, the Washington Mystics on June 29th, Old Glory Rugby on July 12th, the Washington Nationals on August 17th, and DC United on August 28th. Ticket availability for in-person attendance is still unknown, but please stay tuned for more details. Laura and I will be bringing you new episodes of Under the Bleachers every Monday at underthebleachers.podbean.com and in all your favorite podcast apps, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast to help us get the word out. And share us with a friend or two if you know people that would be interested in listening. With that, here's Laura with our first topic in this week's trip, Under the Bleachers. All right, first up, our queer topic. Last week, President Biden delivered his first address to a joint session of Congress. It was a pretty big deal, a really big deal. For the first time in history, the president gave an address to a joint session of Congress joined by two women on the podium, Vice President Kamala Harris and Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. It was a sight I won't soon forget. But President Biden also made news when he took time in his address to proclaim, quote, to all the transgender Americans watching at home, especially the young people who are so brave, I want you to know that your president has your back. This wasn't the first time in history that a president specifically mentioned transgender Americans in an address to Congress. 
President Obama did that in 2015 when he made history as the first president to use the words lesbian, bisexual, and transgender in a state of the union. But President Biden's clear pronouncement of support for transgender Americans, and particularly transgender kids, was the boldest and most direct pledge of support for the transgender community by a president in history. And it came at a time when transgender Americans and kids in particular really needed it. We have discussed over the past few weeks the rise in anti-trans legislation that is sweeping the nation right now from state house to state house with many of the bills targeting kids and athletes specifically. So it was no accident that President Biden chose to specifically tell trans kids this week that he has their back. And I have no doubt that this was a huge moment for trans kids all over the country. President Biden also stressed his support for the Equality Act in his speech. The Equality Act is a piece of proposed federal legislation that would ban discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity nationwide. It would apply to employment, housing, public accommodations, credit, federally funded programs, and many other aspects of life. The House passed the bill in February, but the bill is yet to get a vote in the Senate. Mitch McConnell and his beloved filibuster still have a stranglehold in that chamber, and the Democrats have not yet figured out how to make progress there. President Biden's speech also marked the end of the first 100 days of his presidency. And it is important to note that the administration has taken many actions in its first 100 days to back up the president's show of support in his speech. A few highlights include, on President Joe Biden's first day in office, he signed a groundbreaking executive order directing all federal agencies that enforce federal laws prohibiting sex discrimination to also prohibit discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity in areas including but not limited to employment, housing, healthcare, education, and credit. Also on day one, President Biden signed an executive order to rescind an anti-diversity executive order from the Trump administration and to promote racial equity and support for underserved communities throughout the US government, including communities of color, people with disabilities, LGBTQ people, religious minorities, people living in rural areas, and people living in poverty. The order directs federal agencies to eliminate systemic barriers to care, such as unequal access to services and inadequate or lack of insurance coverage, and to provide equal access to opportunities and benefits for underserved and underrepresented communities. On January 25th, President Biden issued an executive order ending the previous administration's ban on transgender people serving openly in the military. On March 8th, President Biden signed an executive order establishing the White House Gender Policy Council with the aim of implementing a government-wide strategy to advance gender equity and equality with a specifically LGBTQ inclusive mandate. Efforts to achieve this strategy include combating systemic biases and discrimination, including sexual harassment, increasing economic security and opportunity, supporting gender equity in education, increasing access to comprehensive health care, and combating gender-based violence. On March 11th, President Biden issued another executive order with the aim of ensuring in federally funded entities an educational environment free from sexual harassment, sexual violence, and discrimination on the basis of sex, sexual orientation, and gender identity. On March 31st, President Biden issued the very first presidential proclamation recognizing a transgender day of visibility. 
Many executive agencies have taken actions and enacted policies protecting LGBTQ plus Americans as well, including HUD, DOJ, HHS, the Department of Education, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and more. The administration still has a lot to do, not the least of which is to help Congress find a way through Mitch McConnell to pass the Equality Act, but there has been a lot of great progress in the first 100 days of the Biden presidency for LGBTQ plus Americans. So Gabe, did you check out the president's speech this week? And what did you think of his shout out to transgender kids? I did, and I always crack up when any president has an address to Congress or a State of the Union, because it's basically the Super Bowl for DC <laughs> and the insiders. I mean, you walk down every bar showing it. I know. It's it's insane how the city handles it, but it's kind of it's kind of it's fun. But, yeah, uh, it's I, definitely fun, but it's so weird. Like I've lived <laughs> here for over 10 years now, so I'm completely used to it and like expect to be able to find a viewing party for the exactly. city union. But when I first moved here from New York, I was like, what are you all doing turning off the music for the state of the union? <laughs> Literally at a bar. You get I'm like, I've always been a politics geek. Like I was a political science major and I've always been into it. So I was like super like cool with it when I learned that people did that here. But I was <laughs> shook when I, when I learned that. Um, but no, yeah, I did see the speech. Um, it was interesting to see it kind of spread out during COVID times, which is very- It was weird. It was weird. Dude, um, that giant room with like four people in it was so awkward. Like, yeah. did you notice that during parts of the speech, he sounded like he was whispering? Yes. <laughs> I was like, I think he's like forgetting that he's supposed to be doing a speech to Congress. He thinks he's having a conversation with five people at a town hall. Well, the interesting <laughs> thing was that Joe Biden has been in the Senate for so long that he's seen so many State of the Unions and presidential addresses that yeah, he right. kind of knows like, okay, if I'm Ted, Ted Snooze falling asleep <laughs> in the corner, I need to do something to keep people, you know, this yeah. is what I want to hear my president say. Yeah, no, that's right. He's probably witnessed more State of the Unions than any other currently living American. <laughs> the and man has like spent so many years in that chamber, so. I'm glad he started right out of the gate and acknowledged that he had, you know, two female uh or two females behind him with, yeah um, no it was a big deal but that was a big deal and he was you know proud to say i am the first president ever to say you know madam speaker madam vice president yeah i mean uh, that's super cool but i also you know like i did um like catch my breath a little bit when he mentioned trans kids i was like nobody first of all presidents hardly ever remember that like to direct anything they say to children right no yeah <laughs> definitely it's just like that in and of itself is such a big deal like just joe biden is such a human which is like even the best presidents don't always have that like that's the, that's the thing like even any anytime he talks or anything that he does it's it's you can tell that he's a compassionate caring person and he yeah. actually means what he says so when yeah. he is talking about transgender youth and saying i got you like he really means it and you right like when i my very first presidential election that i voted in when i was 18 was for bill clinton and i was fangirl obsessed with bill clinton right but he was a total slime ball like i never thought of him as like a oh, good totally. guy like, it like never occurred to me that you could be this badass politician and also be a good dude until like <laughs> joe biden rolled up <laughs> no yeah but, but um just just going through like I mean, I can't even imagine first how, you know, those that are living inside DC in the Beltway, like how just how normal things have gotten, which is yeah, kind of yeah. like you don't, 
you're not worried about what CNN is saying about some tweet that happened or what's going on with like the last president. Like it's it's just a weird like normalcy of like oh we have a president and a vice president working. And I yeah, noticed- but you know at the same time I'm starting to feel some real urgency about the fact that you know the Democrats aren't going to have power for a lot longer. They only have, you know, a few more months, frankly, before they have to start campaigning and all signs point to not good results in the midterms. And that's not because Democrats aren't popular or democratic policies aren't popular right now. It's because we have gerrymandering and redistricting and that, you know, and that that's just the reality. So if, you know, if president Biden is going to sign the equality act, if president Biden is going to, um, make reforms or get through some more big pick pieces of his agenda, they're going to have to make some big moves as it relates to um, Senate procedure and what they can get um, the Senate to do. Because Definitely. at this point, there's very little left. You know, They're going to focus on infrastructure through reconciliation, and I think that's great. But the reality, and it's important, right? Like this is all, that's all hugely important for our economy, for people to get jobs. But all of these social policies that are so important and that people have been fighting for, for so, for the last five years, basically just fighting so hard to advance these social policies, they're all dead in the water right now. And if the Democrats don't find a way to get something out of the next 10 months, it's going to be a real missed opportunity. No, definitely. Cause like, and I like how finally the Democrats are kind of taking a, almost a page from the Republican playbook where it's using marketing and using ways to, to spin names. So like the whole transportation bill and the infrastructure bill, it's the American jobs. Uh, yeah, they finally figured out if you use the word American, out. it's more popular. Like what, who works for the teacher? Anyway, that, let's not go down that rabbit hole because that's been bothering me for many years. But Back to the original point at hand, it was pretty damn exciting to hear Joe Biden talk about transgender Americans in his speech. And I believe that he truly wants to sign the Equality Act, and I believe that he truly wants to make progress. So um, let's hope for some, I don't know, let's hope that somebody pushes Mitch McConnell back into his shell and rolls him down a hill. <laughs> no, yeah, that's the, the important things. Like you we have the Equality Act going on, even... Uh, we're recording today on May 1st, which uh, the trans military ban was just lifted. Whoop, and whoop. All these, you know, people are like, hey, I can enlist again. And they're happy to, and they're proud to go serve for our country. Um, it's just little things like that, that we take for granted, that we had it for a moment and it was taken away for four years and now we have it back, but now we need to make sure it sticks around and we don't take anything that we have for granted. Yeah, 100%. But thanks, Joe Biden, for being a good dude and for shouting out the lgbtq community in your first address to a joint session of congress yes and for all those that aren't listening from dc please talk to your congressmen again oh your senator your senator (laughs) since we don't have senators i'm wearing my abolish the filibuster shirt right now (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so please. But yeah, I'm excited. It's crazy that it's only been a hundred days. It's been it seems like it's been so long. It but, feels uh, like a we'll hundred years, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what we have in store for the next uh three years. Absolutely. All right, so what's going on in sports? All right, sports this week. I want to share a story that has been scandalizing my hometown. 
I grew up in central New York and I bleed orange for the Syracuse Orange. Fresh off the excitement of the Orange's Sweet 16 performance in the NCAA men's basketball tournament, all eyes in central New York are now on the Syracuse lacrosse program. Syracuse lacrosse, both the men and the women, have a history of success. The men in particular are a perennial powerhouse. Syracuse has won 11 national championships in men's lacrosse, more than any other team in history. The Orange are currently ranked as the number five team in the nation and are eagerly awaiting the championship tournament selections that are scheduled for May 9th. But all is not well in Orange lacrosse land. The Orange's leading scorer, sophomore All-American Chase Scanlon, was suspended from the team on April 20th following an incident that has been described as, quote, a domestic incident on April 17th. Onondaga County officials have not provided much information, but have indicated that Scanlon is under investigation, but has not yet been charged with any crime. Very little details are known about the incident. We know that an investigation is underway, that there is a female victim, and a picture of a damaged wall in the apartment where the incident took place with a dent that is described as more than a foot high and more than a foot wide has been circulating on social media. It came as a shock when last Monday, the head coach of the Syracuse men's lacrosse team lifted Scanlon's suspension with the investigation still underway. But the story did not end there. It was reported this week that the five captains of the team, redshirt senior midfielder Peter Durth, redshirt junior midfielder Brendan Curry, redshirt senior midfielder Jamie Trimble, sixth-year attackman Stephen Rafus, and senior goaltender Drake Porter, have advised the coaching staff that if Chase Scanlon takes the field with the Orange, they and the rest of the team will walk off the field. None of the Orange players has made any public statements on the subject, but the leaders are being praised for their leadership and judgment, which appears to stand in stark contrast to the lack of leadership and judgment shown by the coaching staff. This is obviously a big deal for these kids. With the national championship tournament looming and many of the team's players in their last year of eligibility, refusing to play with their leading scorer is not a small deal. We can't be sure, but I think it is safe to assume that these kids who are closer with Scanlon than just about anyone know more about the incident than the public does at this point. And I'm proud to see these young men taking a stand for what they believe is right. There's far too much domestic violence in athletics and leagues and teams for far too long have turned a blind eye to the problem. So Gabe, I'm sure you didn't know about this story before I told you, but do you have any thoughts on the team's decisions? I think it's great that the students are actually speaking up and I think they do know a little bit more probably, or they've heard something or whatever. So obviously, I mean, it, but I'm it glad that- be, they, right? I'm Cause like, it seems like we always hear stories of something happening with the team or something like there's some sort well, of like sexual violence or something going on in college. We've both played sports. You know, like your, your teammates are the people who are your best friends. You spend most yes, of your exactly. time with your teammates. They're all, in the almost middle, all your time. Yeah, they're in the middle of a season of a Division One lacrosse season. Like, uh, these guys are spending all of their time together. They know what's going on in each other's lives better than anyone else. So I have no doubt that they know exactly what happened with Chase Scanlon. And I also believe that they wouldn't take such a strong stand if they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I know, where, you know, people always talk about like millennials and the younger generation. I think it's great that you see some of the, the younger folks like, oh, I'm getting as, uh, in my wiser years as an older gay now. 
Dude, they're like 20. <laughs> I know, but still, like, I, they're I go, babies. I, go, I know. And, and you walk into like a college campus and you're like, wow, I'm so old. But it's horrifying. <laughs> it's, it's great to see people actually speaking out and actually saying, hey, this is wrong. And yeah, we're going to end our career. And it's, this is our last, you know, so the, for the seniors, especially, this is our last chance at, you know, a championship or, you know, what we've been working for. But they found something that is you know bigger than what they are and saying no we want to take a stance and actually talk about this and talk about a problem honestly that's that's probably been plaguing college sports for the past couple of years yeah no that's right and they're not honestly they're not really talking so much about it which i think i respect even more right like they just took a stand they said more with their actions than they could have ever said, right? Exactly. They, Refusing they just to take the field with this guy says more than um, making a couple of, you know, disappointed statements to the press or something. Well, yeah, you're, you're doing it. You're actually doing something that you believe in. So you're not just saying like, oh, well, we think this or that or we feel bad. No, it's actually, hey, we're not going to play. And we're going to show that we're standing, you know, against something again. We don't know because it's, you know, you know, it hasn't been charged yet, but they're basically saying, hey, we, we don't agree with this. We don't agree with this player, what he's done or what he, you know, what they think he's done. Um, and even if, you know, uh, you know, maybe he's, might, he might be innocent. We don't know. But yeah, just saying that we don't agree with this and we're taking a stance. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, it's not like nobody's putting this kid in jail without an investigation or without due process. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. But these kids have a right to stand up and say who they want to be affiliated with and associated with on a sports field, right? Like, you know, when you represent an organization, a team, a program, you can be held to a higher standard than whether or not you're going to prison, <laughs> Right. Like we no, can expect more of each other. And definitely. And we think well, when you think of like high school, college, even like professional sports and stuff like that, you hold people to a higher standard because when you're playing college sports or you're playing sports for a school or an organization, you're representing that organization in school. So you kind of take that pride in yourself, like saying like, hey, I on and off the field, I am representing my school. And so I'm going to hold myself to a higher level. That's what I hope that people think. You know, like, hey, I am representing myself on and off the field because people are going to be like, hey, you're the guy playing lacrosse. You're the girl playing volleyball. You're the girl playing basketball. You know, you're the guy playing football or whatever. That's how they recognize you, especially in college sports. Um, not just, you know, hey, random person, especially if they're like on a, on a pretty good team. Yeah. Like, and oh, they yeah, also know that kids are looking up to them, right? Like in exactly. Syracuse lacrosse is a really big deal right like every high school in the Syracuse area has a big lacrosse program and those kids look up to the Syracuse lacrosse players like they're gods no yeah definitely so I'm, I'm glad that they're actually taking a stand on this and I mean we'll see what happens it sucks that this is a problem that's been going on in in college sports for a while but I mean we'll see yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely a big problem, um, both domestic violence and sexual violence. We've seen it with so many big name players. We saw it with Kobe Bryant. We you know, we've seen it with so many people. Uh, just this week, uh, Major League Baseball put Roberto Alomar on the ineligible list because of allegations of sexual misconduct against him. I mean, it, you know, this has been a problem and it's great to see, um, you know, people stepping up 
some of these leagues and, and leaders in sports stepping up and starting to take these issues seriously because, um, you know, until the leadership and the players want change, right, it's going to keep getting swept under the rug. Yeah. And you're basically, you know, yeah, you're, you're kind of talking against your teammates and your closest friends, which is one of the hardest things you can do. I'm yeah, getting it. No, absolutely. I mean, first of all, you're, t- you're probably taking a stand against a kid who's probably one of your best buddies, but also you're hurting yourself in the process, right? Cause you're hurting your own oh, yeah. chances at success on the field and college athletics is a big deal. I mean, you gotta, you know, you think about how much time and energy these kids have invested for the last 10, 12 years in the sport of lacrosse. And they're about to be probably playing their last year or two at the highest level that they'll ever play at. And they're, you know, giving up their leading scorer going into the national championship tournament. That is a big fucking deal. Oh yeah, definitely. Like you can tell, they probably thought this through and then thought about like what's going on. But again, this is something bigger. And this yep. is a big problem that hopefully, you know, gets stopped soon. And I'm glad that people are actually taking a stance and they're not afraid to talk about it. Absolutely. All right. Sliding on down to the intersection of sports and queer. Athlete Ally recently released the latest version of its NCAA Division I Athletic Equality Index. According to Athlete Ally, the Athletic Equality Index measures LGBTQ plus inclusion policies and practices in NCAA D1 athletic departments. This third iteration of the index provides a comprehensive snapshot of how NCAA institutions are supporting their fans, staff, coaches, and student athletes. The high-level findings were a little bleak. First, 92% of Division I athletic departments do not have fully inclusive trans athlete policies. Second, when LGBTQ plus educational resources are available, LGBTQ plus student athletes and staff can seek resources and support without fear or repercussions. However, 70% of Division I athletic departments do not offer any resources. Third, of over 9,000 sport fans surveyed, the majority believed spectator stands were the most dangerous and unwelcoming of all places for LGBTQ plus people in sports. However, a vast majority of D1 athletic departments, 80%, were found to not have a fan code of conduct or guide for fan behavior of any kind. And finally, Despite a growing number of athletes coming out as LGBTQ plus in college and before being recruited, as of 2021, only 2.8% of NCAA D1 athletes compete in departments that fully protect and support their identities. With hate crimes against the LGBTQ plus community on the rise, the number of anti-LGBTQ hate groups soaring, COVID-19 putting LGBTQ plus youth at increased risk of depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation as a result of social isolation, financial hardships, and increased stress around the pandemic. And as we have been discussing over the last few weeks, more and more anti-trans athlete bills popping up in state houses all over the country, it is more important than ever that LGBTQ plus students have access to sports. Studies have shown that with access to sports, these kids earn higher grades and are less likely to have depressive symptoms. 
The findings of the Equality Index are disheartening to say the least, but the fact that the Equality Index even exists at all is a sign that we are moving in the right direction. The AEI research process allows for ongoing conversation and collaboration with colleges and universities. Throughout the research process, the Athlete Ally team conversed and consulted with athletic department leaders and provided them with resources, including sample policies, educational materials, and more, to help them seamlessly make changes to foster a more inclusive environment for the LGBTQ community. We should all hope that these athletic departments take this work seriously and continue to work with groups like Athlete Ally on building a better, more inclusive environment. We will have to keep monitoring the results of the Equality Index to see if improvements are being made. Gabe, uh, did you know about the Equality Index before and were you surprised at all by any of the key takeaways? No, so I really didn't know much about the Equality Index, but I'm, I'm kind of, first off, I'm glad that they're actually doing it and they're actually looking into this um, issue. Um, I'm not surprised that much just because I still think it's a very new kind of like field a new idea for what's going on. Like I can tell there's a lot, I mean, again, the younger generation that we were talking before, they're more open, they're more out. Like I remember like when I was in college, I wasn't really out until like later on, like probably my junior year. And that's cause I wasn't like fully out, only certain people knew. So I, I can see where it's, it's tough for especially, um, you know, young kids, athletes, you know, first you're going to a brand new, you know, place, you're going to college, you're playing sports. Um, and, you know, the whole coming out process, because you're basically, you know, like, for me, I came from a small town in Texas. I'm moving to a bigger city. I'm yeah. doing the whole, like, coming out again thing. Um, mm -hmm. But totally agree with the whole, like, yeah, sports is a savior to, you know. Yeah, for sure. Out. And I get it, right? Like, everybody's coming out story is different. And not everybody comes out as young, you know. But to me, I was a little bit surprised, I'll say, because it's not on the kids right like I don't care how many kids come out at your school it can be one yeah. it's up to the educators and the policymakers whether or not these policies exist and so it's the failure is on the administration and the athletic departments and regardless of how many kids are out at your school so I, I guess I, I I wasn't super surprised about like the overall that like I expected the numbers to not be great right but, no, yeah. You know, even you and I have talked a bunch about these summits that the NCAA has been doing, these policy statements the NCAA has been putting out, all this stuff. And yet, what did they say? 70% of Division I athletic programs offer zero resources for LGBTQ <laughs> students. That is mind boggling. Like, all you have to do is put out one of those like weird pamphlets with the rainbow on it that says it's okay to be you and you don't get a zero. Exactly. And so this is the thing that I think a lot of these institutions are like, I mean, I'm not sure. I don't want to be speaking on behalf of them. I don't know if they're just like checking a box and saying like, yeah, we went to this seminar. We went to this whatever. Um, but how, do you, how do you have zero resource? Zero. Exactly. Like they're just like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's an issue. We got to work on something else. Let's work on the endowment. Or let's work I mean, on something I think else. That, like, I think that they have like fucking Gay Straight Alliance in Peoria, Illinois now. Like everybody should have at least a resource. <laughs> no, definitely. And I think, I think it's, you know, it's going to take, and it's taking these students actually to speak out about it and bring up and say like, hey, yeah, we're gay sports fans and we don't feel accepted in these places. Or, hey, would it be nice if we do this and that? You know, we were just talking about, oh, our 
future teaser for one of our episodes. We're talking to uh, Kevin DeMille and talking about like what happened in GW and how they it came from the students where they wanted to do a pride night. Yeah, it's coming from it. Yeah, I can see where it's coming more from the students, not so much the administration. Right. And it's great to see students advocating for themselves. Right. That's freaking fantastic. But now they need the support. Right. Now like, it's, it's like, it, it is just bad maddening to me that uh I, I guess i expected the numbers to be bad i just didn't expect them to be this bad well even like i remember uh a couple of years in texas where it was even the alum uh the alumni association and stuff like that that actually spoke out uh especially when there's stuff going on with like anti um trans bills and anti uh lgbt um, and sports kind of like issues that are going on in schools and stuff like that. I mean, I, re- I remember hearing some stories where it was like the alumni groups were like, oh, we're not going to donate anymore because right. you don't allow this. Or you have a problem with gays and lesbians attending or transgender uh, individuals attending. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to support you. And you want to get Texas money, worked up? Yeah. <laughs> you start talk talking to, about money. Get and the sports? football boosters involved. <laughs> oh, def- it's the whole thing about like even, you know, the University of Texas where their fight song is, a racist minstrel song and the <laughs> alumni association says oh yeah we're not going to support you anymore because we think that song is offensive and the students are it, it's kind of sad like for the next football season the students are being forced to play it because they don't want to and the, and the the associate the um like the band doesn't want to none of the students do but they just say hey it's the fight song you have to play the school fight song i mean you know what they can put their instruments down what are they, <laughs> what honestly what are they going to do I think, they're gonna kick I, out the whole band okay I, then you don't have a band i think that's what they're gonna do like i think they're like a lot of students are just like i'm just not gonna play it or I'm just as gonna well play they else. should honestly like we talk about this all the time like you have to you can advocate for yourself and you can be your own best advocate and at the end of the day you have to stick up for your own bodily autonomy nobody can make you physically do something you don't want to do so put your flute back down on the field and just stand there and take a stand if that's important to you. I encourage you to do that. But I know no, it's definitely. not that easy all the time, but it's, you know, it's and I'm completely gl- they're right. I'm glad the NCAA is actually taking a stance and like, you know, the, we have this, you know, we were, we're starting to get data. We're starting to get numbers. We're starting to see where the problems are, what we can fix and start having conversations about it and say like, hey, we want to get more LGBTQ fans in the stands how do we do that? How do we make it more inclusive and uh, just a great place for everyone to hang out? And again, forget about everything that's going on and just watch a sports game. That's right. And let's get more LGBTQ players on the field, LGBT coaches on the sidelines, LGBT trainers back in the weight room. I mean, let's get inclusivity everywhere that it belongs, which is literally everywhere. Literally everywhere. Yeah. From, you know, coaching staff, students, players, everything, just everyone kind of just like yeah again and we're all doing the same common goal of we're just there to support our sports team and just have a fun time that's right i think sports so, does that athletic departments do better athlete ally <laughs> thank you for <laughs> keeping track of this and thank you for holding these folks accountable so that we all can put pressure where pressure is needed Okay, that's this week's Under the Bleachers Roundup of things queer, things sports, and things at the intersection of sports and queer. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to share our interview with the ladies of the 18th and U Duplex Diner. Welcome back to Under the Bleachers. We're joined today with Kelly and Sarah from the 18th and U Duplex Diner. Hi, hey, ladies. How are y'all doing tonight? Hello. Hello. Great. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, so can you give us a quick rundown? What is the vibe of uh, Duplex Diner? It's like a neighborhood, local um, spot, outdoor <laughs> and indoor dining, very like American comfort cuisine, kind of like a diner, kind of like a gay cheers, lots of regulars, <laughs> same people. We've been here for 23 years now. Um, and we've had um, people who have been coming here for all of 23 years as well that are still coming here. So we are um, uh, very thankful and very um, happy that we have regulars that are still been supporting us this entire time. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, Gabe was telling me earlier that one of his favorite things at the Duplex Diner is meatloaf and mashed potatoes. Uh, what are your guys' favorite menu items? I love the salmon. Our salmon is excellent. It's kind of a surprise dish. Um, but people also love the mac and cheese. That's another fave. Yes, absolutely. The mac and cheese and the meatloaf are definitely um, regulars' favorites. As a vegetarian, I enjoy our Beyond Burger delightfully. Um, <laughs> but I always say that our, gr our fried chicken tenders make me want to eat meat because they <laughs> smell so good. Um, those are also another favorite. So cool. that's the cool thing about Duplex is like, just like you described it, it's the gauge here. So you have your regulars, you have everyone who's coming in that, you know, you know, tourists all over the place. And so it's a, it's, is it a nice mix of people? Yeah, it's a good mix. I especially think with the pandemic, we've gotten a lot of, a lot more neighborhood people just stopping by because they feel like everyone wants to come out and support. So especially with the nicer weather, I think we'll continue to get that kind of people that haven't ever eaten here before that are either coming in or at least stopping by outside um, to eat in the parklet or on the patio. So that's been a really good plus. Um, so you're not just a diner. I know that you have a lot of strong connections to the community. Tell us about some of the events that you guys host. Well, sadly, we just missed Valentine's Day as a drag, which is one of our most favorite events that we do with all the MAMP girls for Smile. So but that's one of our favorite events. Um, we do a lot of bar events, birthday parties. The Miss Adams Morgan pageant after party. Um, we do uh, the football team, right? We, we yep. sponsored that. Usually we, we do Super Bowl with the flag football team, you know. Choice so. for tots. Oscar party. Your Oscar party, your famous Oscar party. <laughs> I know. We're sadly, the, Globe, the Globes are coming up this Sunday. I'm so sad that we can't really do like a party. I'm sure people can come in and sit down, but we've definitely been missing our events, as I'm sure Margot can tell you. It's weird without it, but, <laughs> but soon they'll be back. People, it's soon. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you guys do for the Oscars? I love a good Oscar party. It's my favorite. My most favorite. We I always do like a ballot. <laughs> I always watch all the movies. So I'm in the process of trying to do that before it's based off the Globe nominations. But yeah, usually we do a ballot. A lot of times we have music. We just take reservations and we kind of keep everyone seated. A couple years we've had like a really good crowd at the bar. But we usually always have tables sitting and watching it. We put the sound on for the whole time. So very cool. As well as RuPaul too. We'd add that in there. We 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 always show RuPaul and always have a good crowd for that as well. Um so you described yourself as the gay cheers. So tell me what you think is how important is it in twenty twenty one to have to still have gay spaces in DC? Ooh, um, I think it's highly important. Um it's 
it's it's important to have anywhere that you can go to at this point in time um honestly to, that are actually taking you know responsible covid uh responsibilities and safety precautions but especially for the gay community to have a place where they can we can come and sit and enjoy um a nice dinner and drinks in a uh, friendly and family community which we all are yeah i would say i know the younger generation is is kind of doing away with the idea of you know a gay bar per se and it's more about queer spaces um so i would definitely consider us a queer space but i guess maybe i'm just showing my age i still consider the gay bar as well and i still like to know that there are gay spaces where yeah. um so yeah that's kind of how i like to to look at it, um, but obviously we welcome everybody, but I think it's important for our community still to have spaces where we know we can go. Um, so what are some of your favorite, I guess, memories or favorite parts about working at Duplex? Uh, I would say my favorite, I, I love the Miss Adam Morgan pageant. I love the after party. It is my favorite party. It is so fun. It is so, there's so much energy. There's so much great Great vibes. It is. It's a beautiful party, and I love when I see everybody dressed up, whether you're in drag or not. It's just a beautiful and a really, really fun party. So that's definitely been my favorite since over the past five years. I really love it. Yeah, I would say. Um, I mean, Thursdays for us have always been like a really big night. Um, they've gone down slightly in in the past couple of years, but my favorite thing about it is it's kind of like. The wait staff gets done early and a bartender usually gets done early and you'll just find any of us or all of us hanging out with all the regulars who are in here. So it kind of is like a big meld of like all of us hanging out with regulars and us hanging out with us. And I think that's always happened on Thursdays. So that's one of my most favorite memories for sure. I've definitely met a ton of people in this community exactly that way, serving them behind the bar, but also being able to come out and socialize, you know, that's unique to our space. No, yeah, we've, I've definitely been there on a Thursday and you see a bunch of kickballers, a <laughs> bunch of dart people, like everyone from all over, you know, dancing on the dance floor with the squeeze. That's always yeah. fun. <laughs> um, I've seen your logo around town. I know you sponsor a bunch of uh, sports teams and um, you're very involved with the uh, DuPont Social Club. Why do you think it's so important for you as a business to support those types of community organizations? I mean, I think it's super important that we have those types of organizations, and I love that there's gay sports teams. Um, I think kickball alone has, I don't even know what they're up to now, so there's always a trade-off with, you know, sponsoring a team, having them come in, offering specials, having them bring business. It brings new people and new faces in that, you know, we hadn't seen before. Um, I think that's especially important with kickball, but I mean, we were, we sponsored a, a pool league, we've done volleyball, We've done the Federal Triangle Soccer Club. We've done the running team. Um, I'm actually, um, you know, Team DC primarily on um, LGBT sports communities. Do you guys do any uh, sports watching parties at Duplex? We always do the Super Bowl. I'm I'm very big into football. We had a fantasy football team that was all diner participants too, and. Some of that's still going on. So that's a lot of NFL. We do show the college games on Saturdays as well. Um, we definitely do a lot of tennis. So U.S. Open, any anything that's on this in this time zone so that people can watch it when we're open. 
Um, I would say tennis. I would say Olympics are huge when we can definitely have them. Yeah, and we always uh, play the sound when um, you know everyone is wanting wanting to hear the games. We always are very open to playing all the games and and broadcasting them out. Yeah, that's great. And especially you know the caps and the naps. So you're yeah. doing well. Yeah, I can remember. I think it was what two years ago when the Nats won the championship. Seeing. Uh, I was at Duplex and seeing drag queens running around during the playoffs, screaming and the whole place going nuts, which I thought was a lot of fun. Because uh... <laughs> You guys mentioned that the diner's been open like over 20 years. How long have you guys been there? I am going on six years. <clears throat> and I've been here for, I always say 10, but I feel like it must be 11. It's got to be 11 now. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be 11 now. It seems like when people come, they stay at the Duplex diner. It is true. Even people who come part time, I a lot of times they leave, move, and then come back, or you know, still want to work part time. So we have a lot of full timers, and you know, it's it's yeah. definitely a, a a family vibe and a family atmosphere here. Um, like between coworkers and customers as well, it's it's entire um, community vibe for sure. It's very very loving. Awesome. Um, well, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. This has been fun. We can't wait to uh, have an event with you. Before we let you go, tell everybody where Duplex Diner is located. And do you have a website or social media handle you want to share? We are located at 2004 18th Street Northwest. It's on the corner of 18th and U Street. Um, our website is www.duplexdiner.com. Um, we have Instagram and social, uh, Facebook. They're both, um, they're both at Duplex Diner. Yes. So please come and see us. Awesome. Thanks, Kelly and Sarah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Under the Bleachers. Under the Bleachers is proudly produced by and a product of Team DC. For more information about Team DC, please visit www.teamdc.org. We want to give credit to Ralph Elston for the design of our logo. Also, our music is provided by DC's Different Drummers Marching Band and was composed by Travis Gettinger. You can always find Under the Bleachers at underthebleachers.podbean.com and on all major podcast apps, including Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and share us with a friend who might enjoy listening. Under the Bleachers is hosted by Team DC board members Laura Frere and Gabriel Hernandez. All views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and participants of Under the Bleachers and do not express the views of Team DC.